to know what that means. <laughs> hey, Ro. Hi, Jane. How are you? Jane did a very professional sounding clap to, to start there, which we've never once done before. We'll see if it works. We'll see if it works. And we're joined by Vicky McGrath as well. Hey, Vicky. Hey, I, lo- I loved your clap. Thank you, yeah, thank you. Was, thank you thank I you. think we felt very great professional. Great start to us, great start. Um, yeah, so I guess we'll get straight into it. We don't want to leave Vicky hanging on the on the Zoom. Also, we're back to Zoom episodes, which is depressing, but you look, this is where we are. But um, yeah, so I guess kind of how I came across Vicky, a friend of mine shared, I think, a story back in, I think it was late 2019, so maybe October 2019, um, from your Instagram where, you, where you'd said that you'd been diagnosed with breast cancer. And I remember obviously like everyone's reaction, I'm sure is just like, oh my God, she's like the same age as me. What the, how could, what the fuck, how can this happen? So- um, How old are you, Vicky? I'm 35, unfortunately. Okay. So you were 34? <laughs> Yeah, thirty four. Okay, yeah. so I saw the Instagram and I obviously followed you, and then it's like that morbid sense of curiosity as well, which is you know when somebody's sick, you're like, how how do they how has this happened to them, and how what like what does this look like, and it's just it's it, yeah. So obviously I followed then to follow your journey, and um, obviously then when I saw um you'd gotten better I was like okay now I can ask which one on the podcast I was like I don't do I was like so delighted for you but then I was like oh my god I felt like I can't ask her to many I, w- I would have loved to have chatted to you um at any stage but yeah you know you don't want to intrude on someone when they're going through something yeah. so so big as well so that's how that's how it came across yeah and I guess it's also breast cancer awareness month in October so it just felt like the right time um and I could see from your Instagram, you seem to be doing really well. So I was like, let's ask her to come on. Like, yeah. she might say no. But then anyone, anyone says yes, I'm always like, God, amazing. Yeah. Um, so here we are. Here we are. Yeah. Uh, first off, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. And it's it's kind of weird because um, you were saying like Breast Cancer Awareness Month in October. And it was actually this Friday a year ago that I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So it's wow. like my cancerversary on Friday. Um. And I remember this time last year, like, obviously I was waiting for my um, diagnosis and I just thought it was a cyst. I can get into that whole conversation in a bit. But like, I remember being like, oh, God, this breast cancer awareness, like it's just everywhere in my face. And I was like, so kind of consumed with my own, like, what's going to happen that I just tried to shut everything out. And then like this year, it's a year on and I'm like. I want to try and raise as much awareness as possible this month now, like I'm the polar opposite. I'm obviously out the other side of it. Um, but yeah, so a year on Friday, I was diagnosed. Um, I found a lump. I was on the way home from like the best holiday ever in Havar. And it was myself and my friend Courtney. And we were delayed in split airport for about six hours. And we were both wrecked and ratty and we'd had enough of each other. And we were sitting like on opposite sides of the airport. And um, I was lying down on the bench because we were delayed and it was late at night and I was just kind of scratching the middle of my um, my chest area and I just kind of felt like, if, now maybe I'm being dramatic, but it felt like an egg in my right breast wow. and I was like, oh okay, and I have small breasts, so I was like, okay, this does not feel like right, so I went to the toilet and I was like, maybe it's just the way I'm lying or maybe I'm doing my period or you know, or maybe it's a mosquito bite or something. So I didn't say anything to my friend. I just didn't want to worry or like get into that. I didn't want to have the conversation about it because we were about wrecked. And so I went into the bathroom and I remember kind of feeling my breasts. And I was like, okay, there's definitely something there. It doesn't feel as bad though when I'm like standing up or sitting down. It was like when I'm lying down, it was more stretched. Can I and- ask a question actually? Because me and Ro were, were just talking about this because mm. I uh, just was saying, I don't even know if I know how to do a, a breast check correctly yeah. like you know mm-hmm. so and I was saying what does it feel like because I hear all these conflicting things about what it feels like I worry that maybe I have felt something but I can't recognize it as a lump or what exactly does it feel like would you know think, what it is like or so would I'd you like, know that's different I mean I've made like I've made so many friends through having cancer I've actually met like a lot of friends in America um, and um, Canada that I've become really good pals with like we've kind of sharing each other's journeys and everyone's so different. And the only piece of advice, and I'm not obviously a medical professional, is if something doesn't feel right, just get it checked out. Like, there's no point being like, oh, I'm just going to wait a couple of weeks and see if it goes down. Or for me, it was, it literally felt like I had, you know, like a big, massive peanut butter M&M, like the big ones that you get sometimes yeah. in the pack. It was like that. 
Wow. And when I felt it, 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 it wasn't moving anywhere. And like some people then say theirs did move or, you know, it could be a bit squishy. And I suppose it's kind of different where the tumor is maybe or, you know, if you've got bigger breasts, is it harder to feel? Like I've no, like I'm tiny, so I could feel it really easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, apart from that, I didn't have anything because like they say like there's different, um, you know, you can get like residue out of your nipple or your boob can kind of go like concave or you might get breast pain. And like, I was having a bit of like pain in my boob, but like, I thought it was just my time of the month yeah. or you know, being at the gym, I was like, oh, that's, it's, it's nothing. But now when I, I like, I haven't had that pain since. So that was obviously something. And I was a bit tired more than like, like the normal, but like, apart from that, it was the lump that I went to the doctor with. Like I wouldn't have gone because I was tired, you know? And yeah. you, you can always attribute everything the same. Like you're saying the gym, like you might get pain under there from doing a certain exercise yeah. or like you're tired because you were on, you know, in Havar for a week drinking or, whatever. you know, yeah. you can always associate, I can, you know, you can always associate these things. I actually, um, it was January. I went to my doctor and same as Jane, I had never done a breast check. So I, I was trying to do breast checks, but I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. So I went for my, just a checkup in the doctor and I said, can you do a breast check on me? And she's like, oh, have I not, have I ever done that for you? And I was like, no. And she's like, God, you should always, she said, you should always ask your doctor if you're not sure mm. they can do the check for you anytime you're there. Um, so she did. And she was like, oh yeah, I feel something there now. And I, honestly, I, <laughs> my life flashed from my eyes. I was like, what? And she said, oh, it's probably just, it's probably just, um, a tissue or could be time of the month so come back to me at a different point in your cycle yeah so this was like I think I was on my ovulation or something she said come back in two weeks so obviously I was like beside myself for two weeks um I went back and she said she felt it again and I was like oh my god right and she's like it's no big deal you've no breast cancer in your family it's going to be absolutely fine it doesn't feel like anything sinister but um I've put you on a waiting list to go public to get it checked now I think there's a few different types of people think some people get that news and are like it's absolutely not going to be anything serious so I'll wait and then there's people like me who like are like well that's it I'm actually I have cancer and terrified so and I was like I'll pay any money to get a check now kind of thing so I was like I just went private and got a check and luckily it was absolutely fine but I just I remember going back to your page even when I was in that like I was scouring the internet I know that sounds so weird but I was just like looking for stories I didn't I didn't even have any sort of diagnosis but I think that's as a human you do that you just try and find someone similar yeah so I remember going back to your post and it was the post you'd put up I think you're it's a picture of you in Havar maybe and it was when you when you come back and I remember just being like oh my god and and going through all your your Instagram posts just because you just want to relate to somebody in that moment um so after so what happens next and after you find it what what do you do next so I found the lump and I got home and I work in the Guinness storehouse. So we, um, I went, I booked an appointment in the Guinness Medical Center for the following week. But a lady I work with has, had just come back from breast cancer and I had bumped into her in the hall and I was like, um, what did your lump feel like? And she was like, <laughs> come on in here to the meeting room. And she was like, like straight in, like feeling my boob. I was like, if anyone walks in, like this is so like not appropriate. HR here. And she was um she was like, look, it's probably nothing, but just go get it checked. I was like, oh, I have an appointment for next week. And she's like, no, ring them back now and say, like, you need an appointment tomorrow. Like, you can't, like, leave this for a week. You're just going to drive yourself insane. So I was like, OK. So I, I remember ringing back the medical center and the lady on the phone was like, well, like, are you, are you dying? And I was like, well, <laughs> like, it could be. But like, oh God, is there any chance? And she's like, okay, a weird question nervous. to ask. It's like, well, I'd like you to tell me, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's one thing I kind of, there's like certain things that re- I remember like throughout the whole thing. And that was probably the first thing just being like, well, I could be. So I went into my doctor the next day who is amazing. And I like cannot sing her praise enough. Like she's been such an amazing support over the last year. Like anything I need, she's just there. Um, and she, 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 she felt me and she's like, yeah, there's definitely a lump there, but she was like, you know, you're only, I was 34. So she's like, you're only 34. Um, I was due my period, I think. So she goes, it could be hormonal. Um, it could also just be a cyst. Um, and then we sat down and she was like, but I'm just going to take your family history. <laughs> and then we started on my mom's side and my mom's side has no cancer in the family. And then with my dad's side, I was like, and then it kind of hit me. I was like, oh, so my dad out of my dad's, I think like four or five sisters, like four of them have had breast cancer. Wow. Oh my um, God. One of them then actually 
passed away um, two or three years ago of, I think it was liver cancer in the end. And then his brother died of pancreatic cancer or esophageal cancer, like the summer before I was diagnosed. So basically one side was like, your mother's side is fine. My father's side, it was just like everywhere. And I could kind of see her being like, okay, look, because of your family history, I'm going to fast track you into James's for a triple assessment where they do like a biopsy and a mammogram. And I was like, okay, but she's like, just don't think about it. Like it's probably just going to be a cyst. So then I went into James's the following week and I had an examination by a surgeon and he was like, yeah, it's probably hormonal. It's probably a cyst, but we'll send you down for, um, sorry, not a mammogram. Uh, what is that thing called? Ultrasound. Ultrasound. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. So I went into the room and they did an ultrasound. Next of all, they kind of whip out this iodine stuff and put paper over me. And I'm like, sorry, what's going on? And they were like, oh, we're just going to do the biopsy now. And I was like, okay, oh, <laughs> but they told me. So then they take a biopsy of like different areas of the of the lump to see what it is. And then I was sent on my way. And then the following week, I went in with my best friend and we had our swimming suits with us because we took a half day from work and we were going to get the results because it was just going to be a cyst. And then we we're going to go for a pint in Grogan's and then we we're going to go to the 40 foot for a swim and celebrate that it was a cyst. And um, I kind of had a feeling something was wrong because when we got there, they were like, oh, they're just waiting for one or two more tests to come back. And we were there from 12 and we got to like three o'clock and everyone else had been seen. And I was kind of like, and I'd read online, like never Google stuff, but they're like, they always leave the people that get diagnosed till the end of the day because that's just what they do. So I was like, oh God. Um, And then we were called into the surgeon and he was kind of talking for about 10, 15 minutes about my medical history, about having Crohn's disease and surgeries and my family history. And after about 10, 15 minutes, I looked at my best friend and I was like, this isn't like, why isn't he not just saying you're grand, go away. And then he said, Joe, you've got breast cancer. And I can't remember how he said it. It was like, you have a tumor, you've breast cancer or whatever. And I just like, it just didn't feel real. It felt like the whole kind of room was just like, it it felt like an outer body experience. But Mm -hmm. the first thing I said to him, and this is the second thing I'll always remember about my breast cancer diagnosis is, but I'm going to Japan in two weeks (laughs) because the World (laughs) Cup is on. And I'm like, like we're going. And I remember him looking at me going, and he probably will get to go. And I was like, okay, okay. So am I going to die? And he was like, no, probably not, but we need to start treatment and yada, yada. And then, so yeah, I remember just leaving the surgeon's room and tugging my best friend and having a cry and then ringing my mum because she'd been like texting me, like, how are you getting on? Have you got, have you heard anything? And I think that was kind of the hardest thing was actually telling other people, like I'm quite a, quite an independent person. I'd be quite like, like I'm quite strong willed and I'm just like, it takes a lot to kind of break me down, but telling my parents that I had cancer was the worst, like, um, and then it was like a week of kind of getting a mammogram and kind of seeing like what type of cancer it was and how it would react to treatment and would I get radiation or would I get chemo or would I get surgery first? And they decided that it would be chemo first to shrink the tumor because they initially they just thought I'd need a lumpectomy where they go in and just remove the tumor. But because my breasts are so small, if they went to do a lumpectomy with the size of the tumor, like I would have lost like half my boob. Um, but that obviously changed because I was diagnosed with BRCA2, which is the breast cancer um, mutation gene. So that's why I needed to have a double mastectomy. So, yeah. Well, is that, that, is that of- the gene? Is that, I hate to be so sound. So is that the Angelina Jolie yes. gene? <laughs> <laughs> Angelina Jolie gene. But like, to be fair, like, because like what you were saying when you were diagnosed and you kind of troll the internet. And when I was told that I'd have to get like a double mastectomy and reconstruction, there's not really that much out there for young people. So like mm-hmm. Angelina Jolie came out and spoke about it, but like she's not going to give her details of like how she felt after it no. or like like yeah. the actual process of it. Um, so again, you go on Instagram and this is how you meet people and like you kind of reach out to them and you're like, hi, I hope you don't remind me like messaging you. See, you just yeah. kind of had a mastectomy there. How'd it go? And like, that's, that's and how I got it. Like to, to go back, to rewind a bit, like, you well, know, I just... It really struck me you're talking about it in such a way that's so um, pragmatic yeah. and like, OK, on to the next thing. But I really just felt everything. I was just, I really put myself in your position. I'm yeah. actually a little bit emotional thinking about it. Yeah. How how was your head? Like, how did you how did you like you have to make all these giant decisions around your health? Mm. Um, probably, you know, we think of cancer and we, we think of one thing, you know, everyone has lost someone who's who has had cancer mm. um 
I don't know, like, how did you keep in the moment and how did you kind of take it step by step? How, how was your head, basically, for those weeks around the diagnosis? Um, so the first thing is shock, definitely shock. And then it's like a feeling of overwhelm, like just being completely overwhelmed by like the bigger picture. And I don't know, like, so I'm in a gym and it's called Fitter, Faster, Stronger. And the kind of mantra is um, progress, not perfection. Like, you know, do a little bit better every day instead of like, you know, wanting to get to 15 bodyweight chins, just work on getting maybe one and then like a two and then three. And I think when I was diagnosed, like it, it can be so overwhelming and you can go down the route of why is this happening to me? And, you know, staying in bed for the whole time and locking yourself away. And that's just not me. And I suppose for me, the thing was to break it down. So my 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 main priority when I was diagnosed was, am I getting to go to Japan? And then I got to go to Japan. And then when I got back from Japan, the next step for me was chemo. So that was 18 weeks every second week. And then when you're in your chemo bubble, that kind of becomes your new life rhythm. So you have like your chemo on a Friday and then by like the Monday or Tuesday, the next week, you kind of start coming out of your chemo fog and then you can kind of have a good few days and enjoy the stuff that makes you happy. And then you're back again doing chemo. And it was actually fine. Like there was days where it was horrendous. And I remember the second round, I think I was knocked out for about a week in bed. It was the only way to describe it is like the worst hangover. Like I'm talking electric picnic the Monday, <sighs> but like for Without seven days and you didn't have a drink really. So like, it's like, there was no fun. You're just like stuck to the bed. Wow. Um, and then once chemo was over, then the next for me was the surgery, but then COVID hit. So I've only had the mastectomy done on my right breast and I had the cancer. So I'm actually due back in on the 28th of October to get my left mis- preventative mastectomy reconstruction okay. and then reconstruction done on my right breast. So my head throughout the whole thing, it was like, for me, it was get to the next hurdle, get to the next hurdle and just not think about the bigger picture. And my head, to be fair, was there was bad days, but like nine times out of 10, I was I was really positive because I suppose the more positive you are, if you feel fine and you look fine and you look healthy and you can still swim and you can still train, people don't think you're sick and you don't get the pity party. And as long as I could move, I was, I was alive and I felt fine. And I suppose my head is only kind of in the last couple of weeks, maybe August was actually probably the worst month for me. Um, anxiety. Um, I'm actually going through a fake menopause at the moment because they put your ovaries asleep before you get a chemo to try and save them. And my period hasn't come back yet. So I went to my GP, who's amazing, and she did tests. And she's like, Vicky, your body is going through a fake menopause. So you're oh like, gosh. I don't know what the levels are, but like, because I was like, these night sweats, my moods are all over the place. She's like, you've been fighting for the last 10 months. So your serotonin levels are diminished. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know when my surgery was going to be because of COVID. Like every time I rang, they were like, oh, it could be in spring. It could be this time next year. And I was like, I don't want to be walking around with like one boob missing for like another year. Like, I just want to get on with my life. Yeah. Um, so thankfully, my surgery now has a date, the 28th of October. And um, my doctor was amazing. So she actually started me on Prozac there a few weeks ago. And she's going to keep me on that probably till through the winter. Um, but she's amazing. And I feel really good at the moment. So I think I'm slowly getting back to normal. But yeah, it was a tough a tough few weeks in August, like everything I was just like COVID treatment or surgery, everything. I was like, I'm just done. <laughs> and it, it takes a lot of energy as well to be that kind of positive. Like, yeah. you know, it's definitely like a choice and it um, it's really admirable. So fair play. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. I'm just like, like, I just can't even. It's so unimaginable. Like, I know. We all I think everyone has been through a shift in their lives, lifestyles the last six months. Um, you know, stupid, tiny things that we ha- we aren't able to do. But like for you, like it went from, as you said, going to the hospital with your swimming dogs packed and going to the 40 foot, hoping to go for a pint. And then what actually happened was a year of your life gone into to, to yeah. saving your life. And like, did you I presume you, you had to stop? Did you just stop work immediately? Like what, what, what are the practicalities of going through treatment like that? That's it. Like, you, like no one gives like they give you a book when you before you start treatment and they're like, you know, these are all the drugs you're going to take for chemo. And like, this is what's going to happen to your body. But then it's all the questions like, can I like, do you work? What do you do? Like, do you, can I still train? Can I can I do this? So 
work were amazing. Um, I work for the Guinness Storehouse. I've been working for Guinness for the last five years and their support has been unbelievable. So like I messaged my my line manager the day, like I, I think I spoke to half of my team that day anyway, like I'm so close to them. Yeah. And um, I haven't worked since then. So I haven't worked since the 2nd of October. They have been amazing. They've supported me for the last year. There's never any like pressure on when you're coming back or, you know, they're just the level of support I had like from my friends, family, work people, like people will never realize how, like how much I appreciated it. Like they were, it was just completely overwhelming at times you'd wake up and like the messages you'd have and just everyone was amazing. So yeah, work have been great. So I finished up work the 2nd of October and I was like, Oh, like, what am I going to do with myself? But like, you're going to appointments all the time. And then like during chemo, like you definitely can't work. And then I kind of had planned to like go back to work maybe in September if I'd had the surgery, but then with the surgery getting pushed out and then I can't really, well, everyone's working from home. So yeah, I'm hoping now surgery is the 28th of October and then back to work like after Christmas. And I'm really excited about getting back and like doing things. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It's a year. I guess you never think you're going to be a year off work. It's like, yeah. yes, but from, um, creeping on your Instagram all the time obviously I can see you do keep yourself busy <laughs> and one thing that every morning I, I presume you live near the sea but I see most mornings you're at like 7am club in the 40 foot so yeah. how like how has I guess from when outside of looking in it looks like swimming and and going to the gym has really uh, been a massive positive impact for you and um, did you did you continue swimming and gymming throughout your whole treatment and I guess what's your relationship with it now? Yeah, so that's it. Like when I went, I remember for my first appointment with my oncologist, um, Professor Kennedy and James, he's amazing. Um, I remember walking in and I had like a list of things because I suppose when you get pregnant as well, it's the same. People have like all these things that they tell you, oh, you shouldn't eat this or you should do this. So the same with cancer, like people were reaching out to me being like, we shouldn't do this, but you should do this and yada, yada, yada. So I went into my first appointment with my little list and he was like, what like do you have any after going through everything of like you know you've a one in five million chance of your heart stopping during chemo so after all oh of this God. like serious stuff I was like okay can I ask a few questions and he's like yeah I was like can I still swim in the sea and he was just like where and I was like the 40 foot he's like yes I was like can I eat yogurt <laughs> he's like what and I was like someone said I can't eat yogurt he's like you can eat yogurt and I was like can I still train he's like you can do whatever you want to do and whatever feels good for you so that was kind of what I what I did um like there was days where I felt amazing and I went for swims during treatment, but then there was days I missed like going for a swim because I just felt like shit or the gym. I tried to get in maybe, I think I still go on four or five times a week. Wow. Chemo, except for the days after where I'd be like completely dust. But then like someone else during, during treatment, like it's, it's so personable and it's like yeah. everyone's journey is their own. And I'd never say to anyone like, Oh, you have, you should do this or you should do that. No, don't let the, whatever feels yeah. good for them, whatever they mm -hmm. want to do, whatever happiness, you know, it brings them do that. And for me going to the gym and continuing to swim, you know, it, cancer robs your, your, like your normality. And it kind of, it, it, sometimes it, you can feel like you're just being defined by cancer. It's like, Oh, she's got cancer. She can't do that. And for me being able to continue to do the things that I really enjoy doing with the people that I love spending time with was the most important thing for me and yeah I wouldn't you know, change my first reaction there of you saying that was like I will never ever give out about getting up early to go for a cycle <laughs> or for to swim out to sea point or whatever yeah. but then I also have to stop myself and think you know exactly what you're saying like whatever someone's routine is um what you're saying basically is sticking to your routine is, yeah. is, is makes what you feel helps good. you but I also think that like it's also really amazing that you were able to stick to your routine because I can totally see how someone and I've been there too you know if something's going on for me you know something's going to make you feel better you know if you get up like for me it's cycling I love cycling and I love sea swimming as well yeah I'm like I know this will do me good but I'm not doing it and <laughs> I'm just going to feel sorry for myself and feel shit all day even though I know as soon as I hop on my bike or whatever I'll feel so much better so the fact that you actually stuck to it says a lot about your character um mm. so that's amazing yeah and, yeah and also like I love how you aren't letting the diagnosis define you either and like become your identity because that was one of the big questions I have like you know if you're diagnosed with cancer 
um, I guess for a year of your life, like I like wrongly thought, well, your whole life is going to revolve around having cancer and every interaction you're going to have and everything you put on Instagram and everything is going to be around this diagnosis. But it's actually so lovely to hear for you that it that it wasn't. Yeah. I think like some people like you, like I suppose like it's the same with like I was like for pregnancy I I always seem to go back to like chemo and pregnancy because like the nausea and everything and like you know some people when they get pregnant or some people when they get married or there's some people they let whatever the situation is happening kind of consume them and you'll see them yeah. and they'll be talking about their wedding for like four years or like <laughs> that kind of thing like for me I just wanted to stay me and that was like so important and like like as I said like it, it does like rob you of your identity um I suppose the biggest probably the one of the hardest things for me to do was like to cut my hair off and everyone was like oh but you'll get a wig and it'll be fine and like you'll look the same and excuse me I bought a wig and I spent like loads of money on it I wore the wig twice and I was like you know what I just didn't feel like me and again that goes back to doing the swimming and like going to the gym and just doing things that make me happy is just doing things that what I would do if I was happy and he- or if I was healthy um, and just trying to like like just continue being me during treatment and not letting it define me so yeah that's yeah and from, yeah. from an outsider looking in even just from social media which I know doesn't tell the true reality of a situation but it definitely just seemed that that you were just being true to yourself the whole time like I, I was I was like god she has cancer and it's a preconceived idea have of people who have cancer that they're like you know in bed all day because they're they're exhausted but to see you going out and doing things and having an amazing so I was like her social life is way better than mine <laughs> you know doing all this deadly stuff you're just like it was actually you know how it genuinely made me feel it made me feel first of all like Jesus fair play to her but second of all if touch wood it ever happens to me or a loved one I know it now I see a different side to it that it just doesn't have to be like it's not it didn't seem as scary to me and I know everyone's diagnosis is so different but I think that's a really powerful message that has come from you talking about I'm like it doesn't have to be a terrifying thing unfortunately it's quite common and Mm. just to see you being able to yeah being able to live your life to in a relatively normal way was yeah really inspiring um and and on the hair. So did you? Your hair looks amazing. By Can the way. I just say, like you're you're rocking the hair. Did you ever have short hair before? No, no. It's no. like so suits you. I know you're probably sick of people being like, it looks great. If you no, you know, genuinely though, know, like it does. it does. My hair, my hair is really curly, really so like, I'd have a little fro. It'd be terrible. It's great no, on straight hair. Like it's it's it it is froy. Like I go to my hair. I go to uh, Jake and Preen, who's amazing, and um. I'm kind of getting into like the really ugly phase but he's like every time I go to him I'm like I'm in the ugly phase he's like no you're not there yet like it's going to get bad (laughs) like the side bits and all here like I have to put like men's gel and trying to like slick it back otherwise it's like poof yeah (laughs) and are you trying to grow it back yeah yeah I just like I loved my hair like like literally the week the day I found my like lump the day before I think I had the best hair day of my life like it was just perfect and then I asked like could I because some people can get like a cold cap where they put on a hat during chemo and it can save the hair follicles but the type of chemo I was getting was this thing called AC which is known as the red devil it's like the most potent chemo you can get so basically like there's no chance of your hair staying I think when you when you have that um so I cut my hair from like down to like like you can't see because it's a podcast but it was down like <laughs> my belly button so I cut it from there to like a bob just before I went to Japan just to get used to having short hair and then after my first round of chemo then my hair was just kind of getting a bit shit looking like really kind of just it was just lackluster and dying I suppose so I went in and just shaved it all off on wow. the 28th of November so yeah that was I actually really enjoyed having a buzz cut and I would recommend everyone doing it once in their life, but then you have to grow your hair out afterwards and you have to go through this. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I think if you have a good face, buzz cuts are badass looking. I mean, like, yeah, I never would have. Yeah, it's the growing it out and my afro hair would just be disaster. (laughs) Like everyone, I think, and everyone's like, oh, but I think every girl can pull off a buzz cut. Everyone's like, oh, you got the face for it. I'm like, no, I think most people can. It's just the phase of growing it out after you're almost but I, yeah. I timed it really well. Like I got cancer in October, did chemo through winter so I could wear woolly hats. 
and now I'm going to, then I had the buzz cut for summer and now during the ugly phase, I can wear hats again. So hopefully Perfect. by like February, nice March. Nice and strategic like... there, Vicky, fair play. <laughs> <laughs> worked out, just worked out. Um, so I guess, oh God, like what a mad year, but where, so when did you get the good news that the chemo was successful? my cancer nurse about this the other day um I really struggled to remember when I actually got the good news and I was <laughs> I, I was asking my nurse I was like how come I have the second of October like ingrained in my brain and I'll probably have that there for the rest of my life like I know I had surgery the end of March which was like the 30th of March I think it was the 14th of April the 14th or 15th of April but I'd have to check my diary like I've checked this several times like you think I'd know and my uh, cancer nurse was saying that you always remember the bad things. You never really remember good days. Like if you go on TripAdvisor, it's always people giving out, but they never really like. Yeah. I was just going to say trauma gets ingrained, whereas the good news doesn't really. Yeah. Our so body remembers trauma. It was, I was diagnosed the 2nd of October. So 2nd of October, 2nd of November, December, January, February, March, say April. So yeah, six and a half months I had cancer. So then I, I sometimes I feel like a bit of a fraud as well saying like, I had cancer because like, you know, you, some people have cancer for like years or like, like, like don't get rid of it or like it comes back and all this kind of stuff. And I'm always just like, I had it, but like, I feel very lucky um, to have like gotten through it and the treatment working so well. Like it, my, the type of cancer I had is called triple negative breast cancer. Um, I actually didn't know what type of breast cancer I had until I got my oncology report from my surgery. I didn't want to know. I didn't want to know what stage it was. Like, I'm sure if it was, if it would have been stage three or something, they would have said it to me. So I was just like out of sight, out of mind. I'm handing my body over to the, like the, the professionals. And then I asked my, my oncologist, like when I got the good news, um and he was like you triple negative breast cancer which is a very aggressive breast cancer to have but it's also a breast cancer that is very typical with the BRCA gene um but like I remember after my second um I was going in for my second round of chemo it was Christmas time (laughs) and I'd actually gone out for a few drinks the night before for a Christmas night out and before you get your chemo you get your bloods done and they have to make sure that your neutrophil levels are at a certain point and um I was in my oncologist who I have a really good relationship with and my best friend was with me again and he was like okay we'll just have to send off your bloods now and hopefully you know everything be okay and I just panicked I was like I had five drinks last night and he's like what and I was like went out when you did karaoke and I had five drinks I'm really sorry my best friend's like for fuck's sake like shut up and um I remember they called me into the oncology ward then the nurses and they were like oh no you're you're your bloods aren't great now. We won't be able to give you chemo today. And I was like, what? And they're like, nah. <laughs> and you're like, we heard about your drinks last night. Um, but then that day, sorry, he then examined the tumor. Um, and after the second round, he couldn't feel the tumor anymore, which is a really good sign. And then when I finished chemo after the eight rounds, they send you for an MRI and they couldn't see the tumor anymore. And then wow. the best case scenario with a cancer diagnosis and um the end of it like for treatment working is called a clear pathological response so you can't feel the tumor you can't see the tumor and then when you have your surgery they take away the the, the tissue surrounding the, the tumor and obviously look under microscopes and see if there's any like um like tiny bits of cancer or cancerous cells in the area and there was no cancer left in my body wow. after the the so, yeah i had a, the best result that you can get from like a cancer treatment so that was that's absolutely yeah. incredible wow and mm. i love that the five drinks like again it's something that you'd be like you can have you can drink while you're on chemo again a completely like preconceived idea that i would have yeah. that like of course you can't or whatever that's so i mean fair play as well um so did you ever at any point uh think like were you did you genuinely remain positive like were you like i'm actually gonna get through this or did you did you have any moments where you're like what if i don't yeah like i saw the the the, the 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 toughest time for me was at nighttime. So like during the day, I'd be, you know, super busy doing things or, you know, keeping my mind active. But then at like three o'clock in the morning when you're not sleeping because of the chemo, so you're up all night, just like exhaust, like exhausted thinking, what if it doesn't work? And I suppose like up until that second chemo, when he was like, this tumor is shrinking, 
that's when I was like, this is working. Mm-hmm. And they say like the sicker you are in chemo. I don't know if this is an old wives tale, but they said like the sicker you are in chemo, the the better, like your body is, it's like it's working. Yeah. And I was very sick like the days after. But there was definitely moments where you're like, is this going to work? And then I suppose my biggest fear actually was that it had spread. So like you hear, like I didn't even hear of like, I don't even know if I'm saying this right, mystatic prep, um, mystatic um, cancer or basically like if you have it in your breast, but you leave it too long and then it moves to like your bones or it goes to your lymph nodes and then mm-hmm. it spreads to your body. So it's like sex cancer, which is, I think most, I don't know, again, I think it's much harder to treat. And a lot of the times it, it's a cancer that you, you end up living with. So during my treatment, I was like starting to question like, how long had the tumor been there? Like, yeah. but I would have been quite good of like checking my, my doing like a breast exam in the, in the shower. But I was like, wait, like how come I didn't feel it? And like, it must've only been recent. And what if it had moved? And like, then I was like, why am I going to Japan? Now I had to go to Japan because I had to wait for my ovaries to kind of go asleep before this could start chemo. So I only delayed it by like a couple of days. But I remember being like, what happens if it's moved? And I don't know. So when I went in for the, the mastectomy on my right side, they do a thing called a sentinel lymph node removal. So they'll, it was horrific, actually. You get um, radioactive injections into your nipple just oh before God. the surgery. So while you can feel everything, it was horrible, like tiny littles, and they kind of move it around. Oh. And the, the dye drains from your nipple to the closest lymph node in your arm. So that's basically if you're like where you're, if you had breast cancer, if it was going to move, it would go to that lymph node. So they took, I think three or four of my lymph nodes just to check them out. But there was, it hadn't moved. There was no cancer in my lymph nodes and anything. So that was really good. But I remember during, until hearing that, I was so terrified that the the cancer had spread because it's so easy to spread. Um, And then in August when I was telling you that like my head was kind of all over the place was because I still obviously have my left breast and like with the bracket 2G I think I had like for my age it was like a 70% chance of getting breast cancer oh my god so I still have like a 50% chance of getting in my left breast so when I was ringing the hospital I was like but like I can't wait a year because like what happens if like I get breast cancer again in this or not again because it'll be a different breast cancer but what happens if I get breast cancer like I don't want to go through chemo again like can we just get this out like I just want to get rid of it yeah and so yeah they're the kind of moments where you're kind of worried that it it had spread and then in August when you're just like am I going to be waiting a year and then am I going to be feeling my boob like every day to make sure it's okay um so you yeah, definitely like, made the right decision and I'm sure that's like a really really difficult decision to make as well you know you're talking about it really like casually but at the end of the day like you know it's a part of your body it's deciding yeah. you know to to get rid of a part of your body for for the greater good so um I can imagine that's really yeah. hard I remember um uh, Georgie Crawford and I don't know if you know Darren O'Leary the do- Dr. Darren she's on Instagram I anyway, know she's a huge following but obviously Georgie had breast cancer but Darren had cervical cancer and remember, they both have openly talked about their journeys. And what they'd always say is like, is kind of very similar to you in that the first step is the diagnosis. And then you, then the second step is the terrifying bit where you're finding out what stage it has it spread. And I was like, oh, my God. So as if that first bombshell of you have cancer isn't enough, mm-hmm. then it's the waiting to find out. Like some people it could be told, sorry, like actually it's not treatable or, you know, worst case scenario. But I'm like, that is just and then the treatment starts. But you just want to start so badly the treatment and just I can just. Oh, my God. Like I'm a, I'm an anxious person about nothing. I, I actually I'm going to stop you right there because I you get anxious. I'm like, chill the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I can tell. Look, I, I think you represent so many people so many people, but I can see you almost just going through it in your own head. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to that, but it sounds like you stayed pretty mindful and, and uh, took it one step at a time. I like your strategy of just taking it milestone by milestone. Yeah, one step at a time. And I think as well, like the most important thing was um, like when you get your diagnosis and even like you're waiting for your plan. So the plan is the thing, like when you're waiting for the doctors to be like, okay, so you're going to get like chemo and then we're going to do surgery and then you might need radiation. Once you have your plan, you're like ready to go. Yeah. It's that kind of two weeks of waiting to see like, how big is the tumor? Has it spread anywhere? Like what's, what, what, what's going to happen? And yeah. And just trying, like, I'd be very like before cancer, um, very anxious, (laughs) very like, 
have my life like if you were to like oh what are you doing in two weeks do you fancy I'm like oh no I've actually gone for a coffee that day like I would be really like super busy super organized super structured I want to know what's happening now and yeah. you just kind of have to go with the flow you just can't because your plan can change your treatment can change you know you could get another like you could just like anything could happen like I remember one of my chemos couldn't go ahead because I had a toothache and they were like we oh can't God give you root canal because during chemo it won't heal so you're gonna have to get your tooth pulled and I'm like you actually kidding me so I just go and like try and find a dentist take my tooth out let it heal before I can get chemo again and just all these things and if you let it get like if you if you let it get to you you just lose like you just go mad so you just have to like take each day at a time otherwise yeah so it's- that leads me nicely into my next question what have you learned about yourself in the past year or or what how do you think you've grown and what do you think you'll take with you going forward um I suppose the the biggest thing for me was I've slowed down a lot um like my mom is like you haven't slowed down at all but like I have like I would lose the cool very quickly if say someone was late to meet me or I would just be always on the go so I definitely have slowed down I've also really started to like live that whole like self-care kind of mantra. Um, like everyone was always like, oh, self-care, you know, have a nice bath. But no, like just taking time and like during treatment and during COVID, like I'll always have my coffee out in the garden and listen to the birds for the first 10, 15 minutes of my day, stay away from my phone and just little things that like living in the moment and appreciating what you have. Mm-hmm. Um another thing I've taken away for it is like everyone is so much more stronger than they believe. Like if you had told me this time last year, what I would have gone through, I'd have been like, Oh my God, go away. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do that, but you you are able to do stuff. And like, we are all so much stronger than we give ourselves credit for. And I suppose the last thing to take away from it is just, it's a very humbling experience when you're sick. Um, like the amount of people that, I've reconnected with after maybe haven't like spoken to them in a few months or a year or two and my relationships with my friends and my family and all have gotten so much stronger and you realize how loved you are and how many people out there want to see you get better and yeah like we all give out about like life and how shit the world is and it is shitty at times especially now but like we're only here for a short time so just enjoy it and like look after yourselves and look after the people that you care about that's lovely and check your boobs Isn't check your it? boobs and get your smear test yeah <laughs> I, I think that's really poignant that's so lovely because yeah. I think uh, you know you know for instance my brother had a cancer scare last year and he has Crohn's disease and he was in hospital for um, a month or two and, and he is totally the same outlook as you now uh, and I'm like, why do we have to go through something like that to cop the fuck on? I know. And, you know, uh, so that's amazing. So I think everyone should think that way anyway and not not leave it to a kind of uh, health scare to, to actually be in the moment. But I think yeah. COVID taught most, like a lot of people that as well in a probably different way, but just the slowing down and when you don't have it, when, yeah, I mean, and also for me, like the lack of control we really truly have over the world and ourselves really. Um, and our health like you know there's certain things we can control and there's things we can't and I think COVID has been a massive lesson for me just to be like let let go of the things you can't control like and if it is health put it in the hands of the doctors as you said you gave your confidence to your doctors they gave you a plan and thank god it worked out so well like I mean yeah, yeah. so what's um what's next obviously you have your, your surgery now at the end of October yeah. um, and you're hoping then to go back to work after Christmas and then it's just onwards and upwards yeah, so I have um, surgery the end of October 28th and then hopefully back to work um, after Christmas. And then because of my BRCA gene um, ovarian cancer, there's like a 20, 20% chance of me getting ovarian cancer. But it, it, with BRCA2 mutation, it's usually from like the age of 40. So I'll meet, I'm going to meet my gynecologist. Um, I haven't met him in person yet in, in January. And we'll kind of make a plan, but it'll probably be like not for another five years, five or six okay. years um, to get my ovaries removed, um, which like I'd actually be fine getting them out like now. Um, like I have no plan on having children, but I you'll go into the menopause straight away. And oh because gosh, I've had breast yeah. cancer, you can't get 
um, HRT, um, hormone replacement. Mm-hmm. So I just go bananas. I think if I went through like the proper menopause, if I'm like feeling like this on a fake one. So that's in like the next stage. But again, it's five, six years down the line. So I'm just going to get over this. Yeah. My new boobs. <laughs> Have a nice <laughs> Christmas. Um, and then hopefully go on a holiday next year. Oh God, I oh, hope so. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. My God, I'd love to get on an airplane so yeah. bad. You're saying like I haven't been on a plane since Japan last year. Like I don't think, obviously, when I was a child, like I wouldn't have gone on holidays every year. But like I think this is the first year since I've been like ten that I haven't been on an airplane. I know first me. world first problem. First year since like Ryanair. You know what I mean? Like yeah, since Ryanair happened, so I was like, yeah, I have not been on a plane this year, and that's probably the first. Yeah, certainly in the last. 10 years anyway that would be the first look more than anything I'm just so upset now I don't want to go into the whole COVID thing but I just I'm (laughs) so upset about like not having like Christmas Eve in Frank Duff's in Bray where everyone is there and I pick up row after mass and (laughs) I'm like come on we'll get absolutely shit I'm gonna really miss that I know Christmas everyone's talking about Christmas now they're just like what's it gonna be like but yeah (laughs) it's just so hard like because during treatment for me it was like um it was like it's grand electric picnic 2020 it's my comeback Ooh. in class oh, no. and then it was like i remember even when covid hit and like body and soul got cancelled and all together or all together now and i was like oh it's grand though like like it's september we'll be fine no. and then when that got cancelled i was like i'm actually gonna cry like i just and now christmas i'm like look it'll be fine we'll just have lots of outdoor drinking yeah yeah what someone said on the radio everyone needs to invest in like a really good winter coat and winter gear and wet gear because we're going to be outside socializing i was like oh my god grim (laughs) great (laughs) my dad said to me he goes jane did you hear halloween's cancelled and i was like you can't just cancel halloween trick-or-treating is cancelled trick-or-treating is cancelled i'm devo i usually go all out not happening this year Oh God, the poor kids and they won't be able to go to see Santa Claus. Like you can't sit in Santa's lap. I know. I know. I heard that um, a a friend in work, he said that he booked Santa to like the kids to see Santa. And I was like, first I have to book Santa mad. In my day, he went up to Cornell's court and just queued. But anyway, he was like, um, yeah, but it's, the kid is going to be standing like two meters away from Santa. (laughs) It's always going to be so weird. Santa probably have a visor on. (laughs) Well, I work for an events agency and there's loads of Santas on our books that are... (laughs) Get, swear to God and I hear they're all lovely like um, but they're all getting in touch being like what can we do what can we do so like uh, one was like mean, um, window display Santa where he just kind of sits there like oh it's so grim Aora Santa yeah, there you go do a two pack on it look as yeah. long as honestly as long as I'm able to go even just to my parents gaff for Christmas day you know and see a few mates even outside for drinks I'd be grand with that I just want to make sure you can see even your bloody family would be ideal wouldn't it ah, yeah, no, 40 Christmas day yeah do you yeah. know what I'm gonna do it this year I'm gonna do right. it I've decided I've uh, I'm re- I'm new to well I'm like six months into the sea swimming I suppose Hi. and now I'm absolutely hooked um, last Christmas day I don't know if you remember I went for swimming Christmas day it was boiling it was like really? last yeah it was like maybe 14 15 degrees out yeah. last christmas day is gorgeous so not a true representation of winter no. swimming and <laughs> are you going to continue swimming during winter now um i just bought a just this morning actually on decathlon spawn it's not a spawn although come at me um <laughs> i just bought a winter swimsuit so like you know the arms uh-huh. and yeah now I don't know if it's going to help at all but I was like look I'll give it, it a does, go it does it definitely does the neoprene but the best things for the winter swims are the booties and booties the gloves I heard that. yeah that's the thing I went I don't know you probably were but I went last Friday and it was the first day Friday morning about 7am and it was yeah. like the first day of like the proper cold yeah and I like now it was warmer in the water than outside yeah. the water yeah. and yeah. it was only when I got out I was like I could easily snap my fingers off yeah. here but you're bringing a flask of coffee here, Grant. It was, um, I think it was six degrees air temperature and the water was like 14 degrees. So it was actually... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was, uh, we were in Sandy Cove. It was... That was I. So we'll have to, um, we're we're there every Friday at like 7 a.m. So come say hello. No, you were probably just there while I was there, Gas. Gosh. Yeah, we were, we were jumping in from the Sandy Cove side because it was too rough around the 40 oh, foot. Yeah, it was crazy around the around 40 foot. Anyway, look, I'll give you a shout next time I'm there. I'm always there. I am jealous. I feel like for me to get out to 
Well, you, because you're cycling towards work that way, it makes sense. Yeah, it's so it's such a trek from town there. Well, but, um, work, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's unbelievable. Like I did Wim Hof with through work. They organized Wim Hof training thing like a few years ago. So that's how I got the nerve to go in in the winter. Um, I just get in, get out though. Like in the depths of winter, I'm like one, two, no, three, four, three five, minutes six, in, seven. three minutes in. In winter. Well, I mean, I think that if you're going to do it, like try and oh, stay. Oh God, in like so January, February. There is like, so whatever temperature it is. So if it's three degrees, you should not stay in longer than three minutes. If it's two degrees, the water, you don't stay in longer than two minutes. Okay. If it's four okay, degrees, fair enough. Wow, go. that's a good tip. Yeah. Jane becoming a blue god lover. Yeah. <laughs> but I was no, I was just saying, Drew. Like, I mean, everyone's doing their swim rises and their everything, and it's all over Instagram. And I feel like people scoff at it, scoff at it a bit. But I've never, I've never heard anyone who got into the water and said, "Jeez, I'm never doing that again." That was awful. Like, like gets hooked. Yeah, exactly. I think one of my favorite thing is like you'll never, you'll never regret a swim. Like you'll never exactly. get out and be yeah. like oh that was horrific you know you'll always be like I'm so glad I did that same exactly. with the walk or with exercise all, you never regret it but yeah, yeah swimming is just brilliant and even though it's super trendy I think it's great I mean thank god that it's something that that's that that's trendy that's that bloody healthy like that's yeah. good for you true <laughs> yeah true. everyone does scoff at it I'm telling yeah. you I'm, I'm, I'm this close to buying a dry robe and then I'll be <laughs> then I'll be able for it yeah <laughs> although my towel is dead I got one of the big towels I know I need to get the name it's amazing yeah. it's amazing yeah. amazing yeah. anyway Anyway, that was a bit of a rant. Thanks yeah. so much for coming on. No thanks for having me. It was brilliant. Um, and if anyone listening, I forgot they were on a podcast. So I was like, oh, oh no, so we're funny. not having a chat. Uh, if anyone's listening, um, do you know what? I wish I had like websites to hand for more information about BreastCheck. BreastCheck.ie? Well, and Breast Cancer Ireland and BreastCheck. Yeah. Yeah. And Irish Cancer Society as well for the month of October. It's going to be all over yeah. it, I'd say. And now I'm plugging this because they are a client of mine, but uh, Breast Cancer Ireland are doing their Great Pink Run um, on the 17th and 18th of October. It's virtual, so obviously, you know, they, they can't do it in person anymore. So now more than ever, I think they need people to sign up virtually. So you can go to the greatpinkrun.e and sign up there. Lovely. It's like four or five kilometers or whatever you want to do and you log your kilometers and obviously all for an amazing cause. So, yeah. Nice virtual runs. I'm doing the I'm doing the mini marathon next week, and it's I'm great like, to see people still doing it, like still donating, still doing the the virtual I ones. Know. I know it's not the same, but like it's amazing people are still doing it. It's really yeah, yeah it's great, it's nice. Um, where can people find you? I don't know. Do you want to? Do you want people to come to your Instagram or not? You don't have to. <laughs> What's your phone number there, Vicky? <laughs> What's your address? Um, no, but like honestly, my like the reason I decided to kind of document everything of my journey on my Instagram page it's to hopefully help one person like to get through it and like as I said I've met so many friends like in America UK and Canada so like if anyone is going through it or is going know someone that's going through it yeah like like have a look at my I've saved everything like on my the right. stories highlights about and stuff so deadly cool I didn't get that oh, could oh. you try again sorry oh, I lost there. sorry Siri, come on now <laughs> yes great thank you so much thanks so much thanks a million talk to you soon yeah I do, oh. do we just hang up the call now it seems I know, weird. this is weird i'll see you at the 40 foot soon yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah see you soon <laughs> bye bye bye, bye. bye. <laughs>